0: Yeah, I think so. I think obviously it was a disappointing season, right?
1: And this
2: nightmarish losing streak is going to continue for Green Bay.
1: Here's the deal. We need to hear from Aaron Rodgers about what he wants to do. The
0: Packers expected to meet with Aaron Rodgers at some point to hash out exactly what Aaron Rodgers wants. I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets.
3: The best fit for Rodgers is... The New York Jets. I was
0: really looking forward to the conversations with Aaron. Uh, those never transpired. So, it, you know, there, there came a time where we kind of had to we had to make some, you know, decisions. So-
3: Yeah, it appears Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have different accounts of what's been going on lately. Color me shocked, okay? Welcome to NFL Live. That's Dan Orlowski. He's with you for the hour. Marcus Spears, Teddy Bruschi as well. Adam Schefter on the news. Rodgers related and Lamar Jackson just a minute. But let's get, yeah, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Lamar too. And there's a lot more going on. But we're going to get to the Green Bay side of things with the Packers. Head coach Matt LaFleur spoke a little while ago at the NFL annual league meetings.
4: I've got nothing but love and appreciation for for what Aaron has done for so many in our organization. Obviously, have experienced a lot of great times together, won a lot of football games together. He's done so much for myself, my family, our coaches' families, so many people within the organization, other players. A lot of people have been rewarded, quite frankly, because of his ability to go out there and play and play at such a high level.
3: Let's get Adam Schefter in here from the annual league meetings in Arizona. Adam, you heard what LaFleur had to say there. You've been picking up a lot of information out there in Arizona. Where are we with a potential trade between the Jets and Packers for Rodgers?
1: Laura, there continue to be discussions between the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets as they try to bridge their differences and come to some sort of an agreement that would send Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. I think most people believe this trade is going to happen. The question is when and for how much. And the Jets and Packers have gone back and forth and have been unable to find a common ground. But last night... If you listen to the Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst talk to reporters, he said that the team did not necessarily have to have a first-round pick in this deal. And I think that would be a sign that things at some point can heat up very quickly and the two sides can get together and figure out a trade in which Aaron Rodgers would be sent to the Jets. I think the next inflection point would be right before the draft because the Packers are going to want to pick or picks that would help their roster for the upcoming season. That doesn't mean that things couldn't change and get expedited with one quick conversation between the two sides here. But right now, the two sides have been trying to figure it out. They've been at a stalemate. They continue to be at a stalemate. And we'll see when they can figure out a way to get this deal done, which I think most people expect in the long run.
3: If you're keeping track with your, cal- with your calendar, the draft about a month away. So, Adam, hang tight. More from you in moments. A reminder of where things stand for Aaron Rodgers' contract in terms of his dead money with the Packers. This is important, so pay attention. Should Green Bay elect to trade him prior to June 1st, they would take on a $40 million cap hit of dead money for the upcoming season. However, if they trade him post-June 1, they can split that dead money over two seasons, taking a $15.8 million cap charge this upcoming season and a $24.5 million cap charge in 2020 24. I realize that's a little nitty-gritty, but I think that June 1st moment is a little more important than some people realize, Dan. When you look at the deadlines, potential approaching deadlines, how do you think this could spur action by Green Bay? If I'm Green Bay, I want it done well before the draft. Hmm.
5: Here's, here's the reality. Uh, number one, if I'm Brian Guttenkund, their general manager, I want to be right. And the best way when it comes to Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, the best way to do that, have Jordan, Jordan Love play really good football. And the best way for that to be, or at least a step in that, is making sure that I have another pick and or two to get a really good player to play with Jordan Love. I don't care about Aaron Rodgers anymore. I've really got a two-year window with Jordan Love cheap and to be able to play good football. Because they're going to have to pick up his fifth-year option at some point, I believe, in May. And the last thing I want to do is have to make that decision and then also believe or know that I have Aaron Rodgers money that I'm pushing down the line. If I pick up the fifth year option, that's twenty plus million dollars for next year. And if I go post June, that's another twenty five that I gotta pay to Aaron Rodgers. I want to eat it right now and get the picks as much as possible to help Jordan Love play good football this season and next. Hmm.
6: Yeah, I'm with Dan. You got you to gotta get the picks. I mean, that's what you have to do. The draft is the time when everybody sort of sits down and when it gets, get, get, gets close, just like Schefter's talking about, is that's when the deals get done. No one's in a hurry right now. Now there's the owner meetings. There's off-season workouts coming on. Aaron Rodgers is not there for any off-season anyway, so what's the rush? It's going to happen. A Green Bay wants the multiple picks. I mean, they're not going to get 13. They know they're not going to get that, and the Jets are right not to give it up because it would help them tremendously if they drafted an offensive lineman to protect Aaron Rodgers or whatever piece offensively or defensively they want to get. They're pretty hot drafting because of they got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year last year, so let's keep picking while we're hot. They get that done, but that's what you got to do. You just wait till the draft. This deal is going to get done.
3: Yeah, that 13th overall pick that the Jets hold to Teddy's point they're not going to want to relinquish that. As for Rodgers and the Jets, here's what head coach Robert Salas said about needing the QB in the building. There's great rapport with the coordinator. There's really no, there's no urgency. You know, the quarterback is good if he if he understands the system. If
2: the quarterback knows it, for the you know, it's just a matter of just refining skills and doing all that stuff. You know, so there's no there's no hurry on end. Right
3: so there is a lot of familiarity there already with the staff and Hackett and some of that. But Marcus, you buy in? Mm. I don't think you are. By your face, that there is an urgency to getting Rodgers into the Jets facility. Man,
2: y'all know I'm not buying this. It, it was urgency to get him in Green Bay. He knew that system, um, and and with those players that he never played with. That's the point. Like the point is that the fact that Aaron Rodgers obviously seems to be he's going to be 100% fully invested whenever he shows up and whenever this deal gets done. But I don't know no coach in the history of football that don't want the quarterback there as soon as he can possibly be there in order to start building and materializing what you want to do from an offensive standpoint. The great thing is Allen Lazard is there. Nathaniel Hackett is there. There's familiarity. We understand that. But you also got Garrett Wilson. You got new piece. You got Brees Hall coming off of it. Terminology, verbiage, Rhythm we saw Aaron Rodgers cursing people out all season long because they wasn't doing things that he thought they should be doing in games talking about receivers and not being in the right place all of those things have to come into the fold when you start getting ready for a season and remember this team is not just getting Aaron Rodgers to win games they're getting him to make a strong push at trying to get to a Super Bowl
3: Adam wants to clarify something here Adam get back in here
1: Well, Laura, I would say this. The Jets offseason program is scheduled to begin, I believe, April 17th. And so they don't have to get this deal done really until then. Yes, everybody would like it to be behind them. They'd love to get Aaron Rodgers into the Jets uniform. But the fact of the matter is the offseason program doesn't begin until April 17th. And if I told you that the Jets would be very happy to hold on to picks number 13 in the first round and number 42 and 43 in the second round and not make a trade before the draft. They actually, I believe, would be comfortable hmm. with that scenario, knowing that at some point later on they'd get Aaron Rodgers and have all those draft picks and not have to give any
5: of them in this year's draft to Green Bay. I, I completely agree with that. I would say this. When Brady went to Tampa Bay and when Matthew Stafford went to the Rams, they had championship offseasons when it came to relationships, Because those take times. In April and May and June, when it comes to being a quarterback, your offensive line is trying to get used to what your cadence is like. Aaron Rodgers with all those double counts and getting guys to jump off sides, that takes time. Those young receivers, I need to train them to always pay attention to Aaron Rodgers because what he's notorious for down in the red zone, hand signals. I need those countless reps for those guys to get a feel for that as we go into the season.
6: What Sala was saying right there, you got to translate it. That's off-season business talk right there. That's him letting the Packers know, go ahead and take your time. We don't need them anyway. We have the real patience. That's Sala telling them we're in no hurry either. Because if he expresses that we want him in the building, we think it's the right thing to have him in the building, then the Packers are thinking something else. It's all business here, Mm -hmm. fellas. You can't believe what any of these guys say at any of these owners' meetings sitting down having breakfast, okay? It's what they do and these actions (laughs) will come to fruition right around April in the draft.
3: Yeah, listen, it's all leverage and all these people are trying to figure out how they can get the most of that. By the way, April 17th, when they would have more of these guys gathered together for the Jets 20 days away. Let's get Adam back in here for a little more news. Talk of Rodgers and Lamar. Adam have dominated the annual league meetings this week, but today there was news on a bid for the commanders. What do we know there?
1: Well, how about this, Laura? It certainly sounds like things are heating up, and it certainly sounds like the commanders are getting closer and closer to being sold. We've now confirmed that there are two independent groups, one led by the Philadelphia 76ers owner Josh Harris, another led by the Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos, who have each made bids of at least 6 billion. Those bids have been submitted. They are under consideration and it sounds right now as if there could be a purchase agreement before the NFL draft sometime in the mm. next month or so because it's heating up with both sides, both groups trying to work to get this deal done. You'll remember Josh Harris was involved in the Denver Broncos last summer. He obviously has Mitchell Rails, a local tie there in Washington, along with Magic Johnson in that group and the Steve Apostolopoulos group is working to have other people in its group as well but these two groups are actively trying to purchase the commanders and again like I said I really believe that something could be in place a purchase agreement by the NFL draft
3: just a casual fully funded six billion love to hear it Uh, annual (laughs) league meeting also the place where rules changes are discussed and voted on each year what decisions were made on that front today Adam?
1: Well, Laura, let's take a look at a few of the rules that were and were not approved today. First and foremost, players will be allowed to wear the number zero this upcoming season. And that is a discussion, a rule change that really did not require much conversation, seemed unanimous within that room. And Calvin Ridley already tweeted out that he will be wearing the number zero this season. So that is certainly interesting there for players this season being able to wear the zero. As for some other news as well, you have the roughing the passer call, which is reviewable, was not approved, and what was tabled today was the onside kick, 4th and 20 proposal, so some things did pass, some things didn't pass, some things tabled. Typical NFL owners meeting style, Laura.
3: Alright, replay for roughing the passer again, not approved. That one stuck out to me. we got a lot more coming your way from Adam, and a lot more news to get to as well. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. Plenty of debate about which draft prospects can be the face of an NFL franchise, but Mike Tannenbaum is here with his mock. He tells us one QB that should be on everyone's radar may not be the one you're thinking of. Plus, the Ravens are in jeopardy of losing Lamar, but is the guaranteed money his only stipulation? Here why Teddy thinks the former MVP is more concerned with getting out of Baltimore. Now, speaking of Mike Tannenbaum, he's in the house. He's bring over there. Feet. He's over on, here. Yeah, bring it on. Look at this guy! These guys have already been debating everything in the green room. I can't wait for this. Look at that smile. Blue suit memo. Back here on NFL Live, the mock draft season continues. Hold on, Mike Tate. Former Jets GM Mike Tannenbaum takes us through not what he thinks will happen, but what he thinks should happen, okay? So that's important clarification at next month's NFL draft. Mike, we just saw a look at what your mock looks like. We'll go back to it so people can see it visually, but quarterbacks are going to be front and center up here, okay? So take us through the first round quarterbacks and where you have them landing, let's start at the top in Carolina.
0: Yeah, razor thin, but we're going to go with Bryce Young, Laura, quarterback, University of Alabama. He had an outstanding career there. 80 touchdowns and only 12 interceptions. He had 27 starts. I think he has great short area quickness and the great Dan Roloski actually compared him to Steph Curry. I actually see some Steph Curry in his game and that's why because of his movement with his legs, I take him very narrowly over the next pick, CJ Stroud to the Houston Texans. Hopefully this solidifies the Texans quarterback situation. He had a great career at Ohio State. You could say maybe too easy of a career from a standpoint. Always had a clean pocket, but I thought he was exceptional in the Peach Bowl against Georgia. Exceptional at the combine throwing to only one receiver he knew in Smith and Jigba. He has earned the right to be the second quarterback. Next one for me is Penn State transfer Will Levis. Little concerned that he didn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State, but if you go back last year, he was outstanding. He had nine rushing touchdowns a year ago, little beat up this year. He reminds me a little Ben Roethlisberger with his physicality. Mm. And, again, what Colts desperately need, a quarterback that can solidify that position. I think Will Levis is their guy. Hendon Hooker. To me, this guy is going to be Justin Herbert 2.0. He could have been the first pick in the draft if he was healthy. Transferred for Virginia Tech, 37 starts. When you watch the Alabama game against that great Alabama defense, he tore them up. He led the nation in yards per pass attempt. I think he has a flawless game, impeccable character. I love his game, and I think he's going to be a frontline starter. And then lastly, at number 11, Anthony Richardson, going to the Tennessee Titans. This guy's been all world since the season has ended. Accuracy Laura, as we know, is very important <laughs> for quarterback evaluations. He was 115th in completion percentage. Mm. It will get better. He has a massive ceiling, but that is a concern along with the 13 starts. He could sit behind Ryan Tannehill for a year.
3: I will point out, you still have Richardson going 11th overall. So it's still a, a very high pick for a, a quarterback or for anybody. Dan, your eyes are bugged out. Is it Hendon Hooker that's got you going? What's, yes. yeah, okay. Not
5: Seattle taking a guy, Hendon Hooker. So there's been one quarterback in the common era of the NFL draft that has been over the age of 25 taken in the first round. That was Brandon Whedon. Does that concern you with Hooker, who's 25 Coming off of an ACL tear, that's less concerning to you than 53% completion percentage with Anthony?
0: Age doesn't matter because I know we're going to get a second contract, and actually the ACL, oddly to me, is a little bit of a positive from this standpoint. They just extended Geno Smith. Sure. Geno Smith's going to be their starter this year, guys. So let the ACL come along. Yep. I think without the ACL injury, I don't think he's there at five, and his ceiling to me is of a frontline starting NFL quarterback. There are no flaws in his game. He's a good athlete. He has great downfield accuracy. When you really break it down, people say, oh, Josh Heifel's offense, he's getting the ball out quickly. That's really not true. Like, the stats back it up. He was number one in yards per attempt. I think he's a very good player. I called a couple of his college
5: games. I called the game against LSU. He was tremendous. Just the age and the injury, so if if we take him this year, he sits this year, that means he's 26 years old at least. Next January. Right. He's 26 in January of 24.
0: Yes. So he's almost 27 when he takes his first NFL snaps. But, guys, if the three of us were running an NFL team and I said we could bring somebody in who has impeccable character. Sure. Impeccable physical characteristics. We're going to have him for at least 10 years. But I, I, would, I, argue, I would argue to you that that's Anthony Richardson. If, impeccable
5: character, impeccable talent, tremendous intelligence right. and character, and he's six
0: or seven years younger. Right, but Dan, when you put their resumes next to each other, sure. one started 37 games, one started at games. So is games? the game started the concern for you when it comes to that? Well, when you really study it over the last 50 years, Coach Parcells, who had a massive – imprint on how I look at quarterbacks, yeah. always talk about every 10 games started, they should improve. But what I would say is, not only is it the game started, but when you look at how they played, one led the nation in yards per passive tent. Yeah. the other one was 115th in accuracy.
3: I, I will say, I mean, I'm a huge Hooker fan too. I had him on my Heisman ballot despite the injury. Really quick, when you think about Anthony Richardson, I know that's a little low for you at 11, but to the Titans, do you like it?
5: Oh, I love it. I I, I would love that for Tennessee. I mean, I would love it for Seattle, candidly. But Tennessee, I would sit there and go, you've got a young man that with Ryan Tannehill playing for another year, likely in Tennessee, tremendous talent. I don't think the accuracy conversation is valid. I think it's very similar to what people were saying about Josh Allen coming out of school. And I think his ability – is top five in the NFL type stuff.
3: Dan will continue to debate with Mike T about that probably in the commercial break and in all of the coming days (laughs) up until the draft and beyond, no matter where these guys go. And that's what's great about these two. got a lot more coming your way as Mike T returns. It's more on his mock. We're going to ask him some tough questions. But up next, we know now that Lamar Jackson requested a trade. Will we start to see teams put in a bid for the Ravens QB? We'll hear what Dan thinks the NFL owners are really afraid of. We'll be right back. Lamar Jackson, in a series of tweets, said he requested a trade out of Baltimore on March 2nd. I'm I'm following
1: it very closely. Looking forward to a resolution. I think he's trying to shake up the dynamics of a situation that have been very quiet. Lamar Jackson threw a grenade. This now feels
5: like this is a feelings thing, or a respect or value thing.
2: This is now a dispute with two sides that have differing opinions about the value.
5: It's not Lamar
1: Jackson the quarterback. It's the cost of Lamar Jackson. and some people say there's no cost too high for a great quarterback like Lamar Jackson.
3: Of course, the big news yesterday was Lamar Jackson making it public that he requested a trade earlier this month. So the next question becomes, which teams would have interest in the Ravens QB? Well, at the annual meetings this week, it seemed like nobody was willing to fully address the possibility of adding the former MVP. Listen to this.
2: Lamar Jackson's a fantastic player. Um, but... You know, where where we stand is, you know, it would be disingenuous and and operating negotiating bad faith if we went down that path. There are a ton of talented players that
8: um, that could help us, but we don't end up talking to for various reasons. And Lamar falls into that category. I know he's a tremendous talent. I, I know he's a um, you know a, a player that can impact your team. Um, I just didn't think, and, and, and we sat down and talked about it, that was the direction for us.
0: Lamar Jackson, you know what? We do our due diligence uh, on every position, whether it's to the draft or free agency, but I, I got no update for you on that one.
1: We have our plan. We know we have to get down. It's time for us to get under the cap, and he makes a lot of money, but he's a heck of a player, and I hate playing against him. I'm not going to talk about players on any other
0: team.
4: It's a free know. Period.
3: Period. Okay. Uh, So as Teddy Bruschi astutely warned us earlier, Adam, we can't believe anything that anybody says right now, but let's see if you can provide some clarity. Where are we with the market for Lamar Jackson?
1: I actually do believe all those men that spoke there and addressed the situation the way that they have. And I believe them because there hasn't been a team publicly or privately that seems to have come out and expressed interest in signing Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet. And again, It's not a question of whether or not he is an elite great quarterback, a former MVP. He is. If you listen to the words of all those men, it's not whether Lamar is a great quarterback. It's the cost of the quarterback. And any team that signs Lamar Jackson has to pay his cost as well as the cost to the Baltimore Ravens. And each of these teams has done a deep dive into it. And to date, to date, nobody has decided that it's worth the cost of doing business. Now, There could be a change. Let's see if Tennessee, Indianapolis, another team makes a move. But so far, there has not been a team willing to step forward that is willing to meet both the price of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens.
3: And maybe it's because there's not a team that's, desperate enough yet. I think a lot of it relies around that. Adam, coming back in just a moment. Here's a look at the teams with the most cap space for 2023 as we try to figure out exactly who can pull this off, okay? Of course, teams can look to maneuver contracts and make room for a potential Lamar Jackson signing, but these teams might be in the best spot to bring him in as they currently stand. So as you can see there, quarterback-needy teams like the Falcons, Colts, and Texans all have 25-plus million in cap space. The Lions are all- also up there, and they should have interest in the former MVP. Speaking of the Colts, their owner Jim Ursay, while not specifically asked about Lamar, had some interesting comments on fully guaranteed contracts, saying, quote, I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. I think that percentage is one thing. I think that what I've seen in the NBA and Major League Baseball, I just don't see it as positive competitively. I don't see it as a positive element at all. That from Colts owner Jim Ursay. So, Dan, I would guess Ursay is not alone in his feelings about guaranteed money. This is a business. What do you make of it?
5: I agree with them, and I probably no. shouldn't because I'm an ex-player, but I've always felt that that was the difference between the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball is really in – the veterans, as you get older, five, six, seven, eight years in your tur- into your career, you're not content. You can't just sit back and allow the check to continue to come in. I think that's a huge benefit for the NFL. This is what I would say in regards to the Lamar, Lamar situation. We have talked about this nonstop. You have one goal as a football team in the offseason to get better. I've said this a hundred times. This is not a one-way street when it comes to the Lamar situation. Who are you replacing Lamar with? And I would ask anybody, you, Shefty, Teddy, Marcus, a hypothetical trade. Where and how are the Baltimore Ravens a better football team? Would they trade with someone? What can somebody give Baltimore that makes them better without Lamar Jackson? What player? What pick? There is no thing out there other than maybe Houston at the second pick if they hit on a rookie quarterback. If the Baltimore trades them, they are a worse football team.
6: You're definitely right. They're going to be worse, Dan. And they're going to be worse even if Lamar goes there and plays on the franchise tag, in my opinion, because... The tweets indicate me how he feels personally, and he doesn't feel like being a Baltimore Raven every, anymore. That is the fact. So that's something you don't want to deal with. You're talking about trades and how will they get better, then you're talking about a number two overall pick, a number four overall pick, if there is a player involved in the trade and then people go ahead and float around the New England Patriots and adding Mac Jones in a deal. But the Patriots won't do that. I think they value Mac Jones too much. Mm. Here's something I want to address. Chef he says he believes all those men. There's the truth, and then there's the NFL truth. I'll tell you <laughs> what the NFL truth is. What, what I say on Monday can change on Wednesday, and what I say on Wednesday can change on Friday. That's the NFL truth. That's, true. That's what it is. So all of them saying that yep. now. The one thing I'll say is this. What I learned earlier in this show is that the Washington, Washington commanders can possibly switch ownership by or before the draft. Hmm. Mm. What does that mean? What does that mean when the yeah. new ownership comes in and says, yo, yo Mayhew, uh, I'm a big Lamar fan, so go ahead mm-hmm. and do something and try to get him. That's interesting. What if Magic Johnson is, is is on the ownership committee and he says, yeah, we want Lamar because we want to make our fan base excited about who we are again. That's another different curveball that just that I just thought of because of the ownership shift, which can happen in Washington.
2: This was the, this was the Let Teddy Cook segment because yeah. I love what, what you just said. Listen, and Dio, I'm going to talk back to you on what you said. Like, are you going to get better? We don't know, but we've seen teams not get better after trading away really good players or not knowing what that future was like. Geno Smith was a godsend. We didn't know he was going to be better than what Russell Wilson did, or we didn't know Russell Wilson wasn't going to ascend and play the way he did. We don't know if Jordan Love is going to be better than Aaron Rodgers would have been. Like, there are, there are a number of things. I remember I remember when, when, when we had all of this talk, we didn't think Houston, we knew Houston wasn't going to be better when they got rid of uh, Deshaun Watson. The relationship and the disgruntlement, is what we're focused on now because Lamar Jackson has said he wanted to be traded. We know the business part. That's what I keep stressing everybody. We know how hard it is. We know what you don't get, what you might get. We know all of that already. The change came when your starting quarterback, who we thought was a franchise guy, said he wanted to be out of your organization. That is the point. That changes everything. And when he says that, Now we have
1: to wonder, if there is not a team that steps forward the way there hasn't been so far, what does Lamar do and how does he handle it? Because that (laughs) becomes... The next question then, does he sign the franchise tender and play on it? Does he sign a long-term deal with Baltimore, get the best deal he can and move on? Or does he just not sign the franchise tender and not play at all? Anybody that thinks they know what Lamar Jackson is thinking right now is wrong because he's been unpredictable throughout this entire process. As for the Washington Commanders making a play, let's just say that the purchase agreement is in place in the next few weeks. It would take about 60 days after that for the ownership to be approved by the NFL. So we're still not talking about Mm -hmm. a new ownership group in Washington taking hold until right before training camp. Now, again, there are things that reset in the NFL all the time. Lamar Jackson... Needs a reset right now. He needs a reset because the market is softer than anybody expected. It should be greater for a quarterback of his abilities. But there's nothing out there right now that matches what he needs in terms of a team that has a need, the cap space, the draft picks that can make a trade happen. It's just not existing right now. Doesn't mean it can't change next week with an ownership group, with a quarterback that all of a sudden has an issue with his team. But
5: right now, it's a flat market. Well, then I look to Houston. Houston. Mm. In, in, in Indy. What happens if Houston loves one quarterback in this draft and they don't think the rest of them are worth a darn? They pick number two. They're not just taking anybody and so they then, love
3: the one that they think's going one.
5: Is correct. that your point? Well, like if, they, Carolina, like, if Carolina, if Houston loves CJ Stroud, that's yeah. the only guy we want. They Carolina think... takes him. Then what then Houston's not going to take anybody just cause, but right. then that's the reciprocating partner for Baltimore. This is a 50-50 situation. Baltimore has to sit there and go, we are a playoff football team. We have Joe freaking Burrow in our division. We are not just playing with anybody at quarterback.
3: Yeah, and at that point, all of that happens right in the middle of the NFL draft. A couple things I just wanted to point out quickly. The Washington Commanders, this can change, and ownership groups can change this too, but they have very little cap space, under a million dollars, just under a million dollars in cap space, something to watch out for there. We got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live. Marcus (laughs) is shaking his head at me. I got to bring it up, so Swagoo, okay? The cap space is real. No cap. Cap. Coming up. We're going to uh-huh. get after Mike Tannenbaum's uh-huh. mock. And we're going to talk about it's it. So B. John Robinson, not the only running back he has coming out of the first round. I'm sorry, Spidey. Put catch. that cap on you and keep it cap. on
5: backwards. That's his feeling on the cap. I like his shirt, yo. <laughs>
3: The NFL Draft is going to be fascinating this year. Only a month away, April 27th, 28th, and 29th. And we'll have every pick once again on ESPN, along with our usual expert analysis. NFL Live will be there Thursday and Friday for two-hour specials. It's also available on the NFL Network, and ABC's coverage focuses on the prospect's journey to the draft. All three days, also live on ESPN Deportes, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. We got Mike Tannenbaum here with his mock draft, a reminder that Mike's draft is what he would do as a GM, not what he thinks is necessarily going to happen. And I think that makes it even that much more interesting. Picture, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, look at you looking sharp. All right. So we're going to play a little ask Mike, which means we get to go around hey, the Mike. table here. Hey, Mike. D. <laughs> yeah. And Marcus, you're first, so take it away. That's my buddy, man. What do you want to ask him? You get to go first.
2: Okay, all right, Mike T. I I like this Detroit idea that you have, but why is it not flipped? All right, I know Jalen Carter dealing with all of the things outside of football, had the pro day where he ran out of gas. Is that the reason he's 18 and you have Tyree going to the Lions at six? Because based on everything that we knew about this draft coming in, Jalen Carter was the leading uh, prospect defensively in this draft. What is the reason for that?
0: Yeah, Swagoo, it's really not about the pro day. I can look past that. But as a general manager, when you turn in the card and you have to look at your head coach and your owner to your left and to your right, you have to feel really good about things. And there's massive uncertainty about Jalen Carr right now. Two people passed away. This is not a victimless situation. This is an unspeakable tragedy. Two people are dead. And until we know exactly Jalen Carr's involvement, if at all, I can't see him going in the top 15 because of it.
3: Yeah, reminder, he pleaded no contest to misdemeanor reckless driving and racing in that January 15th fatal crash. Let's go to Teddy next for his question for Mike.
6: Okay, Tannenbaum, I got one for you because I'm living in a Lamar gets his way world. And if a trade is worked out with the Indianapolis Colts and all of a sudden the Baltimore Ravens have the fourth overall pick, who do you see them looking at there?
0: Ooh. Ooh, I like that. You know, you're looking, you could be looking right at Hendon Hooker or Will Levis, and to me, we've talked a lot about Hendon Hooker Teddy. and as a foreign defensive guy, you know the pressure an athletic, big quarterback can put on you, and that's why those two guys, to me, are going to go four and five, and they're a massive upgrade over the uncertainty that the Colts have had at the quarterback position over the last couple of years.
3: Man. Fascinating to think about that. In 10 okay, minutes, yeah.
0: Hendon Hooker went from the fifth pick of the draft <laughs> to the fourth.
3: Now he's going
5: to be know. a Raven. My yeah. dinner time, he's gonna be, uh, right, going to be a looking. Guys can't finish pro days either. <laughs>
0: um, running back, who do you have going in the first round as a tailback? Well, Bijan Robinson and then Jameer Gibbs. And here's why, Dan. Where does Gibbs go? He's going to go to the Buffalo Bills. And let me I love tell it. You why. And let me tell you why, Dan. <laughs> Over the last three years, Josh Allen has been hit 535 times, which is the most in the NFL. And I don't care that you have James Cook. I don't care that you have Naeem Himes. I don't care that you signed Damian Harris, who I happen to love. You have to be able to get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands so he can survive. Jameer Gibbs, the Georgia Tech transfer, is unbelievable in space. (laughs) He caught 44 passes. I think he's a perfect fit. I love
5: you. I love you. You're amazing. I love Jameer Gibbs as well. I think he's Alvin Kamara. You mean to tell me that Buffalo is going to pay Josh Allen 40
0: plus million dollars a year and we're just going to hand the ball off a ton? No, we're going to have him run less and throw more. And we're going to give him the ball. I hate
2: when y'all do that. I hate when Dan and them do that. Mike T, don't get caught in that well. <laughs> don't get not. caught in so, that trap. Oh, no, 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 no. let's Dan, be honest here. Dan, let's Dan be honest. always do that. Nobody is saying throw to run the damn ball 50 times a game. Nobody's saying <laughs> that. What we're saying is, Sean McDermott said that is not a way to, that he wants his $250 million quarterback to play. I'm sorry, Mike T. Go Come, ahead. Keep going. Go keep no, going. No,
5: please. But, but they got they took Cook last year. They, they traded for Naheem Hines okay, and just drafted. Can, hold on. And just in signed Damian Harris. Don't We're draft, not looking no, for a guy to, as back. Josh Allen to check the ball down to anymore. I can agree with yes. you. Or I can ski. agree with you on yes. the yes. run. <laughs> I'm yeah, with you yeah, on man. that. I <laughs> gotta push the ball down. Yeah, Sorolovsky. Yeah, you know the, the Bills
2: yeah.
6: aren't taking a running back with the first pick. They're, they're, they're not taking a running back. They just mm. got
5: Harris.
3: They got. They're not I'm doing
6: not, that. I'm with you on You know, Mike. Pick. Let me let me be on I'm your team for.
3: Let me do something on your team for just a second here. I do like the versatility of Gibbs. He can be flexed out as a receiver type. There's more to the skill. Set. So that's not games. what it's about.
2: That's not what it's about. <laughs> All right. It's not about that.
3: Let me talk about it's a real about receiver, that. though, okay? Because Jackson Smith and Jigba is that. You have him going at 21 overall to the Chargers. I love this pick. Thinking about him in that offense, just talk to me about the skill set there and what you think he
0: adds. Yeah, going from one fifty million quarterback to another one that will be in a second here, and Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen's going to be 31 years old mm-hmm. and hasn't played a full season since 2019. Smith and Jigba's flexibility, large. Outside and inside, I think he's a great route runner. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the best time speed. He actually reminds me of Keenan Allen. That's Keenan Allen's game. Mm. So, one guy's fading. Smith and Jimmy comes in. And this is all about making Justin Herbert successful.
3: All right. So, week real you that. a little bit. Mel and Todd are going to do the same thing. Top of the hour for a Sports Center special. They go through Mike's entire mock draft with Phil Yates hosting. That's over on ESPN2. So, as soon as we're done here turn over there and you're going to love it still to come washington yes. has been one of the teams mentioned as possible landing spots for lamar Hear what commanders head coach ron rivera had to say about the team's future plans at qb lots of news around the commanders today as ownership groups are making their pitches as well we'll be right back on nfl live you uh, uh, all want to turn it it's gone then i got you
2: to know now is you with me or what or you
3: We're back on NFL Live. This new into the show from Lindsay Theory, the Chargers and quarterback Justin Herbert have open contract negotiations. Okay, Brandon Staley provided no timeline to get a deal done, but said, quote, the major takeaway is that Justin Herbert is going to be our quarterback. You love to see it. We're watching some of these stories with Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, as well as Joe Burrow with those contracts. But a long timeline in place there potentially for getting those done. Time to read and react. Some of the news from this week's annual league meetings. We start in Carolina where Frank Reich was asked about how – Chemistry plays into his evaluation of the quarterback draft class.
0: Yeah, I think the bonding process and the chemistry that develops during this process is real. It's it's important at every level, and uh, that that's what's that's what is happening and will continue to happen. That's why there's a lot of reasons not to shortcut the process. But obviously, you do it to get the right guy and to make the right evaluations, but that is a side benefit that is really. Uh, powerful.
3: Mike T, how much does personality in the locker room come into play when evaluating quarterback?
0: Laura, it's huge. They're going to be your CEO. I want to know their mental resiliency, their mental toughness. One question I would ask is, tell me something that you worked really hard at in your career, but were unable to accomplish. Then I'm going to talk to the support staff, because who you are is how you treat people that can't help you. So the academic support people, the trainer, the equipment people, that's how you're going to find out if this person could be your battlefield commander.
3: Next up, New York, where Brian Dable is looking for a step forward from his quarterback.
1: With Daniel, we'll have some of the same guys he threw to
7: back and have some new guys. And, you know, we're just going to have to keep evolving on on what we do as a coaching staff. And, you know, he's going to have to keep better on the things that we need to get better at. And, um, you know,
4: it just starts all over again. You know, it starts all over again.
3: And uh, what do you think Daniel Jones needs to do better this season?
5: Well, the reality was his performance or success in the team's was because there was risk aversion. They were very cautious with what they did. They needed to be because of the talent. No quarterback threw the ball with less depth of target last year than Daniel Jones. Of course, he didn't have a lot of turnovers. But now that there is an influx of talent, you need your offense to open up a little bit more to go chase down some success. Can you do
3: that but also not have those turnovers over the past creep up? Let's go to Washington next. Ron Rivera talked about his quarterback situation with Sam Howell.
8: The main reason we go with Sam is because we think Sam's going to be a good football player. We really do. I don't think this is as much a, a, a wild shot as people think it is. Um, and, again, part of it is because you watch a young man like Brock Purdy have the season that he had last year, and you would like to think, wow, we have a guy that's got the same type of ability and skill set.
6: Lamar, the situation was happening we were like, maybe let's try to look
4: into it at all.
8: No, we, we never did, Darren. We, we, honestly, we never did. I know he's a tremendous talent. I, I know he's a, um, you know, a, a player that can impact your team. Um, I just didn't think, and, and, and we sat down and talked about it, but that was the direction for us as a football team.
3: You know, don't sleep on Jacoby Brissett either, who they also signed. But, Dan, if they stick with Howell and a mix of him and Jacoby Brissett, what do you expect from the commanders this fall?
5: If Sam Howell plays to the way that they had him graded coming out of the draft, this is a playoff-caliber football team if they treat him like a young Russell Wilson. This is an offensive roster. That offensive line-wise is a good unit, and they just signed Wiley from the Kansas City Chiefs at right tackle. They've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, De'Ami Brown, a good young tight end. Robinson emerged as their bell cow tailback with um, Gibson as like the influx or the changeup. And the last part is this. The question is, who is Eric bien and I'm not talking about, like, the, I, the intelligence or the ability to understand offense. We don't know who Eric Bieniemy, their new play caller, is identity-wise. If this offense is of that identity that was that new early Seattle Seahawks, you know, play great defense, run the football, ask your quarterback to throw it 18 to 20 times, I absolutely think Sam Howell could do that at a high level, and this could be a playoff football team.
6: Yeah, and Eric Bieniemy said in his introductory press conference that it depends on the players that he has. So I think he has to understand that Sam Howell is not Patrick Mahomes, and he can't do the same thing. So right. he needs to call that accordingly. Now, a playoff team for the Washington Commanders—you had four playoff teams qualify with nine wins. I think the Bucks even won with eight wins. Yeah. So I mean, the Commanders were eight, had eight victories last year. So. With a competent quarterback, can they be a playoff team like you're talking about, Orlovsky? I have to agree because with that extra playoff spot now that they've incorporated and it's 14 teams now, they get things together, they do have a roster, roster that can make some noise.
2: I got a quick question for y'all. What y'all think they'll be with Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> a playoff team. They might squeak it. <laughs> listen, man, you, you, you just you, you, you to listen. In. Uh, You listed it there of the guys on this roster, right? And we know this business, man. It's very unforgiving. And I'm with you. Like, I don't want to throw Sam Howell to to, to the junkyard before the man get a chance to play. But knowns in this league are very hot commodities. And one known is that Lamar Jackson will play at a very high level and you would be a playoff team in the NFC East. When I think about all of the talk that we've had with the Sam Howell, even talking in the pre-prod meeting. So why you went back to Carson Wentz last year?
0: Hmm.
2: After the Telehanicky situation. Why didn't Sam Howell get an opportunity? And, and remember y'all, Ron Rivera said there and was like, that was for the playoffs. I think he, I don't know if he was joking or not, but this, this is, this is the problem that I have with the whole to Teddy's point It's line season. These people know they'll be damn, a yeah. hell of a lot better in a playoff team with Lamar Jackson.
5: Yeah, I don't think anyone debates that. I go back to the moment we had Ron Rivera on set at the Combine, mm. and he said that they had a very early round graft trade on Sam Howell. Now, that's their organization, not just Ron. The reality is this. Because of this roster, Marcus, and I, listen, if Lamar's there, they're an NFC championship contender. But if he plays Sam Howell the way that they viewed him coming out of college – this is a playoff mm-hmm. team, and that matters to that coaching staff trying to build a roster around a cheap quarterback.
3: Time for one more thing, guys, before we go. We go to the XFL for a penalty I've never seen before.
4: Sportsman like on number three, wide for squirting me with the water. Where was he? On the sideline? Correct, behind me. Number three, squirting you the water. He yes, got it. Unsportsmanlike
6: like conduct, defense, number three. He squirted the down judge with a water bottle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The explanation is amazing. By the doing, way, man. that's the no. access you're getting with the XFL. No. All the explanations, everybody's mic'd up, you get all of it. That was
2: mad. <laughs> just over so the so snitching. good. on all of, you, on all of, all of <laughs> you
3: because you're. Oh, look, we got mad. the Hulk here. you mad. <laughs> <Man. Yeah. laughs> I love it. See you tomorrow. That's the, official. Uh. the official. the official. The official. <laughs> oh, scared me. Oh. Reach out, guys.